All right. So with that, uh, just a quick recap. You know, we uh, did a lot of uh, introduction to the very first class, so we didn't get as far as we'd like. That bell rang super fast. And then uh, we uh, got into our content. Uh, we talked about God's design for marriage, uh, how marriage is good for uh, mankind. Uh, it was created by God. We talked about some of the problems of loneliness. Uh, we, we talked about the benefits of companionship. And then we uh, jumped into uh, divorce. And uh, what was one of the things that uh, you all took away from that part of it? My kids kept saying it to me over and over and over. Divorce is not an option. So it's one of those things that whenever you are getting ready to go into to marriage, uh, if you're single, you need to look at divorce as not even being an option. It's not something that's on the table. Yes, God does have, um, uh, for adultery, uh, there is, there is a, a, a reason for divorce for that. But if you are single and you are getting ready to go into marriage or you're thinking about it, long before you ever get into that situation, you need to have the mindset that it's not even an option. That if that uh, comes up, that there's other ways in which you can overcome that and you need to figure out how you both get refocused on God and move on from there. With that, I uh, wanted to talk about uh, some of the things that uh, could cause a marriage to fail. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about divorce, but, you know, it's one of those things that, what are the things that cause failure in a marriage? Uh, you know, it's very clear in the Bible, it says that uh, you're supposed to, to leave and cleave, we call it. Leave your mother and father. Uh, a lot of people still are walking around with an umbilical cord. That's unhealthy. Uh, that's not healthy at all. Um, you, need, you need to leave your, your family, your mom and your dad, and you need to become one with your spouse. And that goes for men and women alike. Uh, doesn't mean that you can't have a good relationship with them, but you need to move on and, and start that relationship like God has designed it. You need to hold fast to each other. Uh, whenever you hear the word holding fast, it, it's kind of like a, an anchor that's just more deep into the sea underneath a rock and, and it, a ship won't even move because it's so fast and tight. You need to be tied so tightly with that, your spouse that no matter what storm comes, you are just anchored to each other. You, you are tied to each other. Uh, and and that's, that's just part of your relationship. Uh, you have different marriage views. That needs to be uh, decided before you get married. What your views are on marriage and what, what it looks like. A lack of understanding, immaturity, uh, a lack of obedience uh, to, to God's design, a lack of leadership by men, lack of submission by women, uh, we'll get into the love and respect thing. If that is lacking, then it, it's a good way to, to destroy a marriage. Uh, if you become stale, cold, uh, boring, lifeless towards your marriage, you don't strive to, to help it grow, and you become cold to it, that's a, a, a way to kill a marriage. Uh, not uh, saying no, spreading yourself too thin. So many people do that. Uh, they, they don't focus on God, family, and work, and then assess from there. God comes first. If God comes first, then your family is going to come right after it. And then after that, God tells us that we need to work. Really much beyond that, it's all just fluff, right? You know, there's other things that we have in our lives, but anything beyond that, you got to focus on God first and foremost. you got to focus on your family. you got to help your family and, and, and help it grow. And then uh, you got to provide for your family. And then poor money ma management. That's, that's a, a number one out there for divorce. It just drives stress into the household. Whenever there's uh, stress about money or someone is not a good steward of the money, uh, there's always stress in the household, right? Has anyone experienced that one? 
Uh, if I'm the only one raising my hand, I don't know if no. I can. <laughs> All right. Money, money will stretch you out, won't it? Money will stretch you out. I, I, there's been times, I mean, I remember when Michelle and I very first started, we're like, oh man, how are we going to do this? And it is stressful. Um, and jobs are, they're plentiful, they give you a lot, and then you struggle. Go ahead. Uh, with that, to past marriage, when you did it, having kids, it's a whole new ballgame with yes. money. So, like, <laughs> having a good sense before you go into that is definitely necessary. Absolutely, because they be expensive, right? <laughs> right? They are very expensive. For a long time. For a long, long, long time. That's, that's, a, that's a perfect point. Um, Never becoming one. We kind of touched on that already. It, it tells us very specifically that we are to become one. Uh, that's that the family is out. It's you two. And then you, your children come from that. You are one. If you never fully become one and you're just running two separate lives, that's not healthy. And that's a good way for Satan to get in between in your marriage. Um, lack of communication. The king. I'm silent. I shut down. Michelle's a talker, and that's just who we are, and it's it's tough. That's something that we've always struggled with, right? And we're being real here. It's not healthy, guys, for us to be as silent as we are. I shut down. I pick my battles. Michelle likes to talk through things. Me, I like to sit there and brood a little bit, a lot bit sometimes. It's not good. So guys, talk. Uh, and I'm speaking from experience. Tam, I have Tam's permission to say this, but I've also found, too, that with some communication styles, things are taken very literally mm -hmm. versus kind of kind of reading in between the lines, too. So with certain communication styles, kind of figuring out what the other one responds to a right. little bit and understanding what that is. Because my husband is a very literal person, so if I don't say every single thing I need from him, or want him to do, he's like, well, you're told me. So, I, you know, so it, that kind of goes along too with like the one shuts down, one talks, one Absolutely. could have a different perception than the other two, so. Type of communication, that's, you're spot on. Uh, some people, that if, if you talk abruptly to them, they'll shut down, but if you talk to them in an entreating way, they will open up. Um, if you speak in abstracts to someone who's very literal, you're just not going to mesh. So your type of communication, you need to figure out how your spouse responds to the type of communication that you're delivering. And they need to open up to the type of communication that you're delivering, but you also need to assess on the type of communication that they receive well or don't receive well, right? Um, keeping oneself sexually from their spouse. This is a big one. Um, how many times do you always see it in the TV shows, the older married couple, Guys always talk about, well, he never, or she never does this, right? So here's the deal. We change as we get older, and we, are, we don't have the amount of testosterone pumping through us as much when we get older. We don't have the libido that we have as much when we get older. We have all these things, but we have, the, we have spouses that have needs. And we'll touch on a little bit later on, your body's not your own. Your body is your spouse's. They have rights to your body, and you have rights to their body. The scripture is very clear on that, but it's in a very respectful way. And we need to make sure that we understand that. It's not in an oppressive or in a demanding way. But, but 
whenever someone is not getting the need fulfilled, if they're not centered on God like they should be, that could cause divisiveness in the marriage, and it could cause divorce. Okay? So that's something that you need to understand. That goes for men and women alike. Uh, there's, there's uh, on both sides of it. Uh, also, sexual impurity. Uh, if someone is always looking at other women, a girl is always looking at other men, or they're on the internet looking at things that are inappropriate, they're looking at, I don't know if anyone uses magazines anymore, uh, TV, you know, the technology is so prolific with uh, things that people can get involved in, and or just actual fornication. Uh, that's a good way to destroy a marriage, uh, because trust has been lost in those cases. Uh, and then, at the core of all this is selfishness. In all of these, if you're if you do any of these, really it comes down to selfishness. That's one of the greatest ways to destroy a marriage. Right? Did I miss any? Anybody want to add any of those? Alright, so let's move on. God's uh, design for marriage purity. Uh, and we're going to try to, to, to move through these a little bit quicker. Uh, so we're not going to read them in depth as we have in the past because we didn't get through as much information. But the, the key scripture here is 1 Corinthians 7, 2, uh, 6, uh, 2 through 6, excuse me. And it talks about the very beginning. It says, because of immoralities, each man should have relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. And then if you drop down to the very bottom of it, uh, the very last sentence, uh, they resume your, uh, then resume your relationships so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Does God know that many people will have weakness with immorality if the relationship is not being fulfilled as it should be? He does. He says it right there. He says, I know that people will have a problem with that. Does that mean that it makes it okay? No. It means that he understands that people will have a problem with it, and he's given us a way in which we can avoid having struggles with impurity. And that's through our spouse. So with that, what are some things that threaten the purity of a marriage? In favor of time, let's get three. What are three things that you guys can think of that will uh, threaten the purity of a marriage? Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Go ahead, Tay. Oh, uh, Disrespect. Okay. How does that tie with pu uh, purity? Well, like, if you're not respecting the other person in any way, really, like, it'll make you, the other person feel less valued and could, like, form a long-term thing. Sure. Right? As they Push them away, yeah. and then they go towards something else. Absolutely. Yes, mm -hmm. I might ruffle some feathers with this one, but... I see it so much on social media where it kind of goes along with your body is not your own, right? Right. When you're posting certain things on social media with certain poses and lack right. of clothing or this or that, really for the attention yep. of the opposite sex or just attention in general, what you're gathering it from the opposite sex, that is not being respectful to your spouse at all. Correct. It can cause a lot of different issues. It can cause some intimacy issues. There's, there's a whole chain reaction that just posting a workout video or a workout photo or just posting this for engagement or even an outfit that you're choosing to wear, right? If you're really not paying attention to, or if you have this mentality of, well, it's my body, I can do what I want, or it's my this or it's my that, it really isn't. And that's very disrespectful to your spouse and can lead to other things potentially 
or give off the wrong impression of something. Absolutely. I've been there for a while, it might still be happening, I haven't seen it for a while, but when uh, ladies were pregnant, they would post half-naked pictures of themselves because it's a beautiful thing to be pregnant. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to be pregnant with clothes on. I, I, it's, it's amazing, and it would be people that were members of the church, I'm like, I can't believe you see that. So yes, absolutely. Anybody else have one? Yes? Um, can you ask a question just one more time? Sure. Uh, what are some things that threaten the purity of a marriage? So along the lines of social media, I think just general media as well. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking just how sexualized the relationship has been, and yep. you start to think like, there's something wrong with my marriage if we're not right. looking like that. that. That's a huge one. I actually have that as one of mine. So I'm glad that you actually said that. Because, number one, we'll just start off, a lack of understanding God's design for husband and wife. It's a bonding. That's a spiritual bonding and a physical bonding. It, 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 both of them are part of the marriage. Uh, the next one is a lack of modesty. That's for men and women alike. And here's the deal. Boys... Women have sexual desires too. Ding! Okay? So it's not okay for you to run around with your shirt off out in public. That's not being modest. There's a multi-billion dollar industry out there of pornography that goes both ways. We mostly see women, but it's also for men. They do calendars of firefighters. Oh, nothing but their, what are the pants called? Their turnouts on, but they got them down, they got those six packs and those pecs, they're looking good. Yes, women have desires too. <laughs> so, so, I'm not going to ask what you said. But here's the deal. Gentlemen, you can also cause a woman to sin by running around without your shirt on. Now, some of us, if we ran around without our shirt on, they'd just go running the other way screaming. But some of y'all are good looking. And so here's the deal. You have a responsibility for those about you to not cause them to have ungodly thoughts. When you come to our home and there's a pool party, everybody wears a shirt. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. So you need to understand that that immorality could go both ways. Preconceived notions about premarital, uh, a preconceived notions, so premarital uh, fornication, adultery, pornography, fantasy, etc. all these things, things that come from, I'll get you in a second, all these things that come from your past before you might have gotten married, they're in your mind. You saw a video. That was choreographed and it's not real people. Then you go and get married and you have maybe a woman or a man that have saved themselves for you, never experienced a relationship like that because they've striven to stay pure, but you have this expectation in your mind that is so far-fetched fantasy land that you expect them to perform at that level. That's not fair. That's not fair. You need to understand that and respect your spouse. And respect the fact that if they kept themselves pure to that point, or they're not advanced, we'll say, you need to understand that this is a beautiful relationship between two people. It's not about the fantasy land. That's not what it's about. Uh, and you had a comment. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to add to, I think, like, lack of boundaries as well. In a yes. Like, not just, obviously, don't have sex with other people, but, right. like, it goes beyond that. Just, like, I feel like kind of all the things we talked about is, like, you have to lay that out beforehand. Yes. And, like, have that understanding. Absolutely. And that, that's the, in the sexual relationship. That's just with personal space. I don't touch Michelle's feet. Like if she's on the couch and she wants me to rub her feet, uh, that's never going to happen, y'all. <laughs> Yo, she's had a stressful day. 
She's not relaxed by touching her feet. I need to know that up front. So you need to know the personal boundaries of your spouse just with regards to if, if they don't like it whenever you chop on your food, don't chop on your food. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, so, but that, that's, that's very good, very good. Um, just moving through uh, unsatisfied, unfulfilled sexual desires. On the opposite side of that, understanding that the man, the woman, you can't deny each other of what is theirs. Lack of understanding of the rights of the, the husband and the wife. So, so those are things that could cause the impurity because here's the deal. If someone gets hungry enough and they're not strong in the faith, they're going to figure out where to go eat. Does that make sense? If you're hungry and there's no food on your plate, after a while, it's going to be harder and harder for you not look at someone else's plate and figure out where to get food. You guys are getting my drift, right? Okay? So, uh, let's move on. Why doesn't marriage alone solve these problems? Yes, ma'am? Because there's usually deeper roots behind the problems themselves, and oftentimes people get married thinking it's going to fix it. If I, if I marry this person, or if I this, or if we that, or if we take this next step, will be good. It'll right. fix the problem. It'll do whatever. But usually with issues like that that people come into a marriage with, if they're not fixed prior to that or if there's not some sort of working through some of those things like the need for attention or, or maybe some weaknesses that you had spiritually before going to the marriage, getting married isn't going to fix it. Just like having kids isn't going to fix problems in a marriage. Right. So... A lot of that is it's not a cure-all, and right. people can't go into it thinking that. It's a lot of work. That's right. Absolutely. Who else? Awesome. Because temptation is alive and well. Uh, amen. <laughs> and whether you're single, whether you're married, and whether you're 20, or whether you're almost 50 in a week, um, <laughs> you know, these things are things that you battle, you know, and you get better at overcoming it, you know, right. the more you practice it, but, um, yeah, it's certainly not a panacea for Get rid of that. Right. Spot on. Spot on. So here, here's the deal. Marriage doesn't solve problems because marriage isn't the thing alone that will solve it. It has to be marriage with God in it. Right? If, it, if it's focused on God and the reliance is on God, He will help us overcome things that would cause us to be impure, impure. Right? So with that being said, Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and replied, this is impossible for mere humans, but with God, all things are possible. Obviously, that's a broad brushing statement. But that's ever so uh, reasonable to think that, that God can help us in our marriage as well, right? So, some outside influences still pulling us away from our marriage, even though we, we have a spouse at home. we got co-workers that are ungodly sometimes. we got hobbies that pull us away with our time so we're not focused on our family. Uh, we're, we had a class on this kind of in our home, lack of contentment, not happy with what you got. Um, cell phones, TV, lack of modesty in the world, movies, music, Facebook, TikTok, uh, in the immodesty of people that are in the marriage, which you just uh, brought up. So these things in themselves in a lot of cases aren't bad. Nothing's really wrong with Facebook, but Facebook is just a cesspool, right? TikTok in itself isn't bad if you're looking at a video of how to learn how to do something, but TikTok is also a cesspool of immodesty. So you need to understand that these things can still pull us away from our spouses. All right. So fundamentals for a successful marriage. Each person needs to build on God. God needs to be at their foundation. So with that, 
Uh, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So, if someone learns from Christ, will they be a better spouse? Absolutely. Why? What's that? He'll tell you how to be. He was the greatest servant of all. Did he not even die for us? Does, not, does it not talk about Christ and then the, the church being the, the bride and the bridegroom? He is the perfect example for us. And we should look to him for that. Uh, with regards to um, each, each individual person, you need to follow Christ as well. John 8 and 12. In that scripture, you see it says to, to not walk in, in darkness, but have uh, the light of life, right? So if one doesn't walk in darkness, but in the light, will they make a better spouse? Right? Okay. So we're building a case for a spouse, right? We're building a case for someone that you want to have as a spouse. Someone who is learning from Christ. Someone who is actively walking in Christ, right? They both make a, a, a better spouse. Does that mean that they can't be a brand new babe or that, that they can't be someone that's just been introduced? Of course they can be that. But they're moving. They're growing. They're learning. They're striving to be someone that wants to learn and, and, and walk in lightness. Uh, if one, oh, excuse me, the next verse, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, it says that, uh, that uh, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word and so that they, by it they may grow in respect to salvation. Do you want someone that maybe they're just a good person, they're kind of walking in the light, but they're not growing? No, you want someone who is longing for salvation. If you have two people and one's just staying stagnant and the other person is longing for salvation, is this person more likely to pull this person along? If you're one, you want someone who is actually truly longing to make it to heaven. You want someone who's going to be a spouse that helps pull you to heaven. So, as a core, that's what we want to look for as the success measures for our, our marriage, the spouse that we're looking for. You know, Jason, it's, it's dangerous to go into a relationship thinking about how you, you enjoy so many aspects of a person, but you're like, I, I can change this person, right. or I can bring them to, to Christ. But you have to remember that that person can also lead you away sure. from Christ. And that is the, the danger, you know, and that's something that you need to, as we're already talking about, you know, marriage is for life. Right. You need to make sure that that is established before you proceed further and get to that serious part of committing yourself to Oh, life. absolutely. The, the, the Bible talks about not being unequally yoked with someone. It's not necessarily talking about marriage, but... It makes sense to have that concept in your mind. A yoke is a piece of wood that goes between two oxen. They're tied together. They're bound, like in a marriage. And if one is veering off this way, it pulls that other one this way. If they're both going the same direction and they're both full steam ahead, they're the most powerful that they can be. But if one veers off, it pulls the other one with it. So, so that, that is applicable to marriage, very much so. And you've got to keep that in mind whenever you're looking at someone as a spouse. So commitment. You can use some of the things that are in your book, but let's get a couple of definitions or ideas. What, what does commitment mean to you? Just yes, it. Sacrificial love. You're willing to sacrifice for your other, for your spouse. Absolutely. 
Did Jesus do that? Absolutely. Who else? All in. Simply put. Absolutely. All in. There's no question whether or not you're dedicated, committed, what whatever comes at you, you are dedicated and committed to that person. You are holding fast to that person through the warts, through all the, the struggles in life. What pops into my mind is whenever there's this young couple and they're super young and one of them has a horrible accent, someone has, is in a fire, they're burned horrifically. Someone gets their legs broken and they can never walk again. But you see that spouse just committed to them, helping them through therapy, staying with them all throughout their life. That person has become a burden, I don't like using that word, to that other person. But that spouse that is healthy and in good shape and could go out and find someone else probably, is committed to that person through the bad times as well. That's when you test someone's commitment, right? So in that, you need to be committed to the Lord. You need to be committed to your spouse. You need to, need to be committed to your marriage. And you need to be committed to growth, right? So the, let's ask on the transverse of that. What happens when there is not commitment to God in a marriage? Kind of already talked about it. Struggles. Struggles. All sorts. That, that broad verse word actually just covers it all. Just struggles, Right? What happens when there is not commitment to the spouse? You don't really have a foundation of your marriage. You, you don't have a foundation. First time something bad happens or they make you mad, I'm done. What happens when there is not commitment to the actual marriage itself? What's that? It goes bad. It goes bad. It goes bad. It, you you got to have commitment to all these. And also, what happens when there's not commitment to growth? Spiritual growth between two people. Complacency. Complacency. Mm -hmm. You get married, you're both here, and then 50 years later, you're still there. And what's going to happen whenever you raise children in that span of time? You didn't grow beyond being 20-year-old kids. Are you going to raise your children to be stronger in the faith? Because you didn't mature? Throughout your marriage? No. How many families do we all know that just have generation after generation of just strong, faithful kids? It's because at the point when they got married, they might have been babes. But each generation decided to grow in the faith and evangelize their children so that way they, those kids saw their parents grow in the faith. That's powerful. It's not the only way that people become strong, but that is a powerful tool. But if you start out at 19 married and you're, you're spiritually weak and you decide not to grow and you're just a pew warmer, and then at 60 you're still a pew warmer, don't be surprised if your children aren't faithful. Is that gonna, would that surprise anybody? No, it wouldn't. So if we love our children in the future, if we don't have them, you're going to grow spiritually. All right. So growing in your relationship with God. So we need to understand that we need to be able to change. And in this right here, in Philippians 3, verses 2 through 14, the key words, it says, I press on so that I may lay hold. And then the bottom says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So obviously we need to have a striving and a growing right in Christ constantly. That should be our goal. So... 
we need to also have that in our relationships, right? So growing in our relationships with God is crucial. So should we be moving forward as a pair? Absolutely. We both need to be coming individually stronger in the faith, but we both also need to be more patient with each other. We need to pray together, discuss spiritual things, be more accountable to each other. Um, we uh, both need to become more centered. And this is one of the reasons why elderships require a husband and wife. Because a bunch of guys in a room that don't have wives is dangerous because it's a bunch of knuckleheads. A bunch of old guys who don't have wives, that's dangerous. Because they've never had a woman hone them down and bring them to center. Men, they do that for us. And we bring them to center as well a little bit. They do it more for us than we do for them, I think. But if, if, a, if a man is going to be an elder of a congregation, he needs to have listened to his wife and heard his wife and understood things that she could share with him over time. And it, it helps round out a, a man very much so. Uh, both of them become less selfish with their time and their money. Both become more focused on God uh, and His glory. And neither one of them say, that's just who I am. That's, that's, that's one of the most dangerous things that you can ever say. That's just who I am. Take it or leave it, right? That's not a spiritual mindset. We need to be constantly changing and striving to go grow spiritually. All right. I know we're going hyperspeed, but we were delayed. So um, growing your relationship with your spouse. Uh, talk about all bitterness and the old man being put away. We need to be more like Christ. He forgave us, so we need to be forgiving towards our spouses. With that, we jump into, uh, what's that look like? We need to extend more grace to our spouses. We need to be more forgiving. We need to listen more intently. Um, you don't have to win. We have to win. So many times it's a battle. You don't always have to be right. Um, don't fight back. Exercise restraint uh, when your spouse maybe is a verbal brawler. There's, there, there's, there's things that you can do. Try to understand uh, their spiritual needs more. Love them in their weakness. Be more overt or more intentional. These are all things that help, can help us grow in our relationship with our spouse closer to God. So with that, we won't touch on the scriptures, but study these. These are in there. We need to be more open to talk. We need to be quick to hear. We need to listen all the way through. I love that one. It calls the person more or less folly and shame if, if you don't listen to what the person's saying all the way through. And be kind and compassionate. If, if you're not growing in those things, then you're doing your spouse a disservice. And I'd like for each of you to just assess on that and just assess on where can you grow in that in just in your relationships in general? Maybe with friends, but also with boyfriends or your, your husband or your wife. I could grow in about four of them. All right. Yes, ma'am. Um, so in our conversation on those, we brought up the idea of, like, on the one hand, you want to be, like, better for your spouse constantly. But on the other, with knowing that you, that marriage, because it's for life, because it's forever, and you have that commitment, sometimes that can be like this security that you have that ends up making you be a little bit more 
more complacent in some of these areas, whether intentionally or not, but um, just to kind of be careful of that and reflect on this every so often on where you're at. Certain areas we found that we were like, oh, we're better in this sense, but 10 years ago, you know, right. we were better at this, and now we need to work on that. So just kind of understanding that while marriage is, it is great to have that security, you also can't let that, you have to work right. at it. It takes commitment, mm -hmm. right? Over commitment. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to go through this super fast. There's different ways to look for a mate. This is not going to be shocking anybody here. So uh, for faith, we're going to do a parent, uh, parental choice. Um, <laughs> but just so you guys know, only 4% divorce rate in parental choosing. It's biblical, y'all, all right? Courtship, it's more of a formal... <laughs> Courtship, more of a formal way to do it, six months to two years, very low divorce rate. Um, gifts, it's no patty fingers. It's almost all done out in public, and you, sometimes you have someone that's uh, walking along with you. You're not alone. Dating, less formal. This is more what we do in our uh, uh, society, uh, but it's more of a, a dating process. Sorry for you all that can't see this down here. The world does look at it as a, a way to try out sexual partners, which is inappropriate, of course. But dating is a way in which we can get to know people and, and build on a relationship and try to, try to figure it out figure if they're someone that we want to be with. Hanging out and hooking up. This is more of the internet version of what it stands for, so be careful. Um, it's, it's no relationship at all, but it's more of a sexual type of uh, encounters. So, hey, I just hooked up with her, or I'm, I'm looking to, to hang out and hopefully have a relationship with someone. Obviously very appropriate and uh, not godly. And then cohabitating, which is absolutely ungodly, has the highest divorce rate of all. Um, couples who uh, lived together before marriage were 48% more likely to get a divorce. So it obviously doesn't work. It goes against God's design. Um, it's inappropriate because of the, the view of it from the outside, as well as um, obviously it, uh, it has uh, put you in a situation for sinful things. So, and then last but not least, this is new, online dating. Um, here's the deal, it, it's, it happens, nothing necessarily wrong with it, but also there's a lot of dangers associated with it. I'm not gonna really comment on it, but uh, it, it is what it is. So, moving forward. a Couple things for the singles in the room. Being single doesn't make you inferior. There's actually an advantage to it. You have less things on your plate. Marriage doesn't make you less, but right here, make, make you less important to God. But what it does, it actually frees you up from concern. I love that scripture. You can be more focused on God, right? However, you lose out on all the benefits, and God designed marriage as a good thing for us. So please don't think for two seconds if you're single that that's a bad thing. Uh, married, marrying an unbeliever is not a sin, but it can lead to problems down the line. Uh, be careful and have some forethought. You think about... Uh, who you're going to grow old with, if they're going to pull you away from God, as well as you need to think about your children. Uh, don't marry someone uh, bound to another. Uh, the Bible is very clear on who can be married and who cannot. God binds us together. If someone gets a divorce for an uns unscriptural reason, yes, by the courts of the U.S., you are divorced. But by God, you are still bound to that person. And you make sure that you understand that. So you need to know who you're dating. If they say that they got a divorce, you need to know 100% the reason for that divorce. 
and make sure it's for a scriptural reason. Otherwise, uh, they can put you in a, a sinful relationship. And don't marry someone because you're attracted to them. Michelle married me because I'm beautiful. But uh, um, marry someone that will help you get to heaven. Uh, and there's a good scripture for that. Peter 3, verses 3 through 4. And last but not least, pray for a godly spouse. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. If you have not read that, please read it. Men, that's the type of woman that you're seeking. seeking and women, translate that into the type of man that you want to find. If you find that woman, which I feel I have, you are a blessed man. So please, read that and read it over again. Okay. We've been going super fast. I'm just going to hit on these highlights here. These are scriptures that put the structure in the household. Okay? Wives need to be subjected to husbands, uh, subject to their husbands down here like Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Men, don't tell your wife to call you Lord. She might slap you. Um, treat your wives with uh, consideration as the weaker partners and show them honor. These all pretty much say the same thing. There's four different scriptures out there. And then um, we need to make sure that we understand that we are equal heirs. So don't take this as one is more important than the other. It is just a structure. It's not a value system. We need to make sure that we fully understand that. Okay? So, I am so sad that I did not get into this part right here. We will get into this on Sunday because this is the fun part. It will be quick, but it is so true because we experienced that today. I'm sitting there studying and Michelle talked to me about seven different things while I'm studying and I'm like, get out of my box. Yes. So, this is so true. So, please make sure you pre-read that, that, that uh, little story that's in there. Because we're going to talk about that quick before we jump into love and respect. I love you all. Thank you for your attention. And uh, let's go.